Welcome to Investors Insights. Our topic today is September risk. Here we are on the last day of August, and I'm joined by my colleagues, my distinguished colleagues, I'll even say that, Bobby Norman, Trey Booth, Adam Van Zandt, and Ashley Page. And here on the last day of August, as we enter September, we thought it was only appropriate that we reevaluate the month of September and the impact uh, it can have on the markets, especially, it's hard to believe, folks, but we've only got four months to go. So with that, Bobby, I'm going to I'm going to call on you first because you gave us some great historical data this morning. Go ahead. Yeah, Greg. So we're uh, obviously finishing a strong August for the market. Heading into September, historically a poor month for equities. Actually, since the Dow Jones Industrial was created in the late 1800s, the Dow has fallen on average 1% in September, while the Dow's gain in all other months was actually averaged up 0.7%. But here's what's interesting. In September of election years, the presidential election years, the market has actually risen. So in non-election years, September is volatile. In election years, uh, September is historically up on average. So obviously, as always, no guarantees, but history says that the market strength that we're seeing could potentially continue into September just because of the historical performance of September in election years. I, th- I thought it was great data that you gave us and uh, something that we need to really pay attention to uh, here in this election year. And then, and then from the standpoint, Adam, you jumped in and said, well, you know, from a historical standpoint, we've seen strength in election year, but let's also look at it from a, a technical uh, level. What are, what are the tech, technical support and resistance levels you're seeing on the S&P 500? We have broken the former resistance level of 3,300. Uh, we've been there since August 6th. Now we're looking at a new resistance level of 3,550. So this is something we're going to be closely looking at. There is three tactical risks, Greg, to your point. And uh, speaking back to Bobby, we're looking at seasonality, sentiment, and stretch. So seasonality, we're looking at it from an election standpoint. You know, historical data has shown that election years have been good, but we want to keep a close eye on that. From a sentiment standpoint, we're looking at the consumer. Of course, we saw consumer confidence fall last month. We want to make sure that trend is being closely watched. And lastly, stretch. So what stretch is, is the 11 sectors in the market. We're looking at underlying securities and equities. Those are three good points uh, that everybody needs to be aware of. And just to emphasize the fact that when Adam gives these technical indicators. It's to let our clients understand what the trading range is that we see uh, in the markets. And at the same time, to understand that there's technical analysis and fundamental analysis. And with fundamental, we're looking at earnings. We're looking at economy and those events that are occurring with technical analysis. We're looking at the price movements and swings that occur in the individual stocks, as well as the indices that we follow. So uh, also with that, though, Ashley, you jumped in this morning and pointed out about uh, government budgets and what we're going to see here shortly. And I thought it was a really good point. You and Trey had some great interaction on that. Let's discuss it. You know, we've mentioned state and local governments a little bit earlier in the year on this vlog, but now it's getting really, really important to watch the data on it. Because as we know, most government financial year ends are in September. So that's coming up. What a lot of these state and local governments have been able to do is sort of drift through the first part of the coronavirus, Greg, on prior year budget. Well, now it's coming down to roost because 18.6% of employment in the United States 
is federal, state, and local government. State and local is a lot of that. Well, when you hit the end of September, that's going to be sort of the first day of reckoning for a lot of these states and local governments because they've actually got to readopt a budget that is COVID impacted truly. Right. So what you're either going to have to have is you're going to have to raise your revenues by taxes or you're going to have to cut your expenses. Moody Analytics uh, said that basically about $500 billion worth of shortfall across state and local governments could uh, occur in com combination over the next two years. And what that is, is about a 3% GDP drag, Greg, not 3% 3, 3 each year, but 1.5% per year coming up to 3% over the next two years. That's significant. Oh, yeah, very much so. But Trey, you made a real good counterpoint on that. And that's why I love about our discussions and debates is when we we interact. Uh, point out about uh, April 15th when taxes were, were due. Yeah, Greg, yeah, a lot of states get, get a large amount of revenue on that April 15th tax day. Uh, and so, you know, like, like Ashley said, their uh, fiscal year ends in September. Uh, but, you know, so normally you see a large inflow of, of income tax revenue uh, on that April filing date. That filing date was moved to July. And so there's less time between the July payment and the September fiscal year. But also, if you look through coronavirus, it looks like there's a huge drop in state revenue in the month of April. And that's, that's partially because of coronavirus, but largely it's because people didn't have to pay their taxes in April. And so that got delayed into July. And so it, there's a little bit of kind of uh, funny math there where a lot of states are pointing to a huge drop, but they're not necessarily being honest because a lot of that drop was made up for in July. I know in the state of Alabama, year-over-year -year sales tax revenue is actually up. And so a lot of states aren't necessarily in as bad a position as it looked like in the depths of the coronavirus because they've kind of made a lot of that up with the July payments and then with some sales tax revenue as individuals have, have come back to spending and have kind of pl played a little bit of catch-up. And then, and Trey, you brought some other uh, additional points, uh, you know, in terms of so much cash on hand, which is something that we need to be keeping an eye on. Talk about that. that, that yeah, that's right. So, you know, Adam talked about the technicals, about where, where we're looking at support and resistance. But what, what will drive us through that resistance? And a lot of that is the market, is at, at, at the end of the day, is just a pure supply and demand indicator. If there's more demand for stocks than there is supply, then prices will go up. And one of the largest drivers of demand over the last few years has been companies buying back their own stock. Well, that hasn't occurred this year. Uh, in the second quarter, we saw uh, company buybacks drop 56% compared to the first quarter and 46% compared to this, the second quarter of previous year. So that's a huge drop of demand. So what's going to make up for that, for that drop in demand? Well, so far we've seen the Fed come to the rescue and, and put a lot of liquidity in the market, but the Federal Reserve's kind of done what they're, what they're planning to do. So where's the next leg going to come from? And it looks like it could come from the individual. Uh, individual consumers have, have, have been saving money through the coronavirus, savings rates up to, 16, up to 17%, which is above, well above historical norms. And the money on the sidelines, money in money markets, hit an all-time high of nearly 4. Uh, or yeah, $4.8 trillion in May. That's come down a little bit, about $250 billion, but there's still you know, nearly $4.5 trillion of the cash and money market that can be used to spend, to invest, and hopefully you know, turn those savings. That's what drives the stock market is in the economy. As wages go up, savings go up. Savings, when people are confident, turn into investment, and that pushes prices higher to sustainable levels. And so when we're looking at those support resistance levels, what's the next leg? Hopefully, we'll get some consumer confidence and people will take some of this money that is sitting on the sidelines and fill that hole that companies aren't able to fill. Well, and you used the key phrase, consumer confidence. Uh, sure. You know, there's just a lot of 
uncertainty, anxiety as people are trying to see how COVID-19 along with the election and other economic conditions are going to pan out. And always when people are holding on to cash, they're waiting to see which direction we're going to go in. So with that, we hope we're giving you knowledge and understanding the benefits that we provide here at Five Plan Partners in relation to your plan and also market strategies to understand how to navigate through this in the last four months of 2020. We're going to keep you updated in multiple ways through this vlog, through our social media, as well as one-on-ones, our, our meetings that we're having virtually. Uh, there's a wide range of ways we're communicating. We want to hear from you. We also appreciate from the standpoint of you sending our vlogs to others. That's opened up a lot of doors and opportunities and introductions for us as we try to provide more services and advice and knowledge uh, as much as we can uh, so that people can remain calm in these uncertain times. We hope you end your August on a high note and go into September and have a great month. And through it all, we're going to keep you updated. Have a great week.